0: Today, we're hearing about a unique therapeutic approach to healing trauma. Join us today on Fostering the Future. Welcome to the Fostering the Future podcast, a show about all things child welfare, dependency, adoption, and foster care. Here are your hosts, veterans in the world of child welfare, Jack and Kat. We believe that every human has incredible and equal value regardless of what
1: side of the courtroom we sit on. We hope that everyone feels welcome and accepted here on Fostering the Future.
2: Make sure you follow us on Facebook, or Instagram as Fostering the Future Podcast, or check us out on our website at fosteringthefuturepodcast.org.
0: This is Nicole, and I am here with Jack, and I brought someone who has completely changed my fostering journey. Joining us is Lisa Michelangelo, founder of Emerald M Therapeutic Writing Center.
2: Welcome, Lisa.
1: Thank you. Thank you, Jack. Thank you, Nicole. Great to be here. Thank you for having me this morning.
2: Of course. I'm so happy you're here. Thank you so much for being here. I have a very important question to ask you. What is your favorite drink at Starbucks?
1: Okay, I might get in trouble for this, but (laughs) I'm not a Starbucks girl. I'm a Dunkin' girl. Oh, no!
0: Should I leave now? Should I leave now? (laughs) That's okay.
2: It, we'll just consider it a challenge to convert you. <laughs> okay, so I'll, take okay, it. I'll so start bringing Starbucks it drinks after. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. So, when you go to Dunkin', what's your drink? An iced mocha coffee with almond milk. Okay, so what, what do you simple. think she should order at Starbucks? I mean, we should, the it's same like thing. The same thing. An iced mocha with almond milk. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Is it because? of where you live and like Starbucks is not as convenient yes
2: yes yeah. we're very limited out there I mean yeah. sex. FYI Starbucks isn't very convenient to
0: me either <laughs> I mean I make, it make it a, a priority, priority <laughs> to me either I'm gonna eat Eats. I'm gonna have it delivered there out to the farm Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Lisa can you tell us a little bit about how you got into equine therapy
1: I have been a physical therapist for about 23 years. And so about 16 to 17 years into my career, I somehow missed the boat on this. But my children had had rode horses for about eight years. Um, And someone said to me, why aren't you combining your love of horses with physical therapy and I go whoa 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 that's something that's like a real thing and so I researched hippotherapy went and got continuing education in it at the time was hired by one of the larger therapeutic programs in Tampa and I knew that, you know, further north, we needed we needed something. So, um, again, my girls were riding. We moved their horses and ourselves up to Dade City from Tampa Palms. Um, <laughs> big jump for my husband, especially. That's um, a
2: pretty different life. Than yeah. My, my sister used to live in Tampa Palms. Yeah. So it's yeah a little different here.
1: than that. Yeah. Dan never had a, even a goldfish growing up.
2: So this, <laughs> was,
0: this was a big this is a big deal. Is that why I never see him actually? in the farm area? Just well, sometimes see him <laughs> on the weekends on the tractor and things
1: like that, but oh, okay. not during the week. Um, <laughs> that is true. So yeah, so we moved up to Dade City. And at the same time, I was working in Tampa, and they supported me, I started building uh, the program in Dade City. And that's where it all began in 2014.
0: And how long did you have that facility? Because that is different than where you are now. Correct. So in 2014, we started the program as a
1: for-profit entity. I was advised to do that. And quickly, you know, two years into it, We knew that wasn't going to fly. What we were able to charge people was far less than what it took us to run our program. Uh, Horses, most of you will, you know, listening probably know they're quite expensive. (laughs) Right. (laughs)
2: Yeah. I've learned. Um, Yeah. No matter how expensive I mean, because if not, wouldn't everybody just have a horse? I know, right? (laughs) Yeah.
1: Then we realized about two years into it, I said, we're either going to fold or we got to change something. Then I changed the farm into a nonprofit organization that then started really creating growth. In 2018, I looked at my husband and I said, You're not going to like this. (laughs) I think we need to move to more land and we were on five acres originally we started looking we looked for about almost a year and a half it was a hard find because a lot of what we do is HIPAA related so you can't be surrounded by you know outside eyeballs and people in their homes close to you that can can kind of see what's going on there so it had to be very very special place and you know there were a lot of places that I thought were super special for it that we put offers on and They always fell through, and I didn't understand why. And then uh, God placed us in Brooksville, and that's where we're supposed to be. So now we are on twenty acres. (laughs) 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 Um, My husband owns a John Deere, which is really
2: (laughs) I bet he's loving that really wild. And so I bet all his Tampa pubs friends are pretty jealous. You're like, who are you?
0: (laughs) We don't even know you anymore. That's how we ended up in Brooksville. Are you and your husband natives of Tampa? No, I'm from Ohio. He's
1: from Pittsburgh. We met in school in Pennsylvania. His job moved him here right when we got married. And so we've been here most of our married life, which is 23 years. Okay.
0: So both your girls.
2: Mm -hmm. They're they're natives. They're natives. They're natives. (laughs) Never seen snow. So you were a therapist before you went into equine therapy, right? Correct. What type of therapy? I was kind of all
1: over. I ran an outpatient clinic um, in Tampa for about eight years. I also did hospital work. I also did home care. I actually took a sabbatical for a couple years and did work in the operating room for my husband and then realized how much I miss PT. At that time then was when I kind of learned about this whole hippotherapy gig and uh, I knew that's where I needed to be.
2: So you worked in physical therapy so that's something that you offer with the horses Correct. is physical therapy.
0: Can you talk about what other programs yeah. you offer at Emerald M? The original founding program of
1: the organization is physical therapy, incorporating hippotherapy. Why do I say it in that way? Well, because hippotherapy is not a standalone therapy. It's a treatment strategy. So it's used by a PT and OT or speech therapist other than the us three, there is no one else that can provide hippotherapy.
2: Okay, so when you you... were saying hippotherapy, (laughs) I thought you were talking about like hippo, like it's got to be you Ah. know medically secure. It sounds like you're saying hippotherapy. Correct. So can you define that for us? I'm I'm sorry, I'm catching up. (laughs) Hippo
1: is the actual Greek word for water horse. So that's kind of where that whole concept of hippotherapy came about. It was kind of came to fruition like in the 60s. The story behind it is there was an Olympic horse rider who, actually was suffering from polio, she rehabbed herself um, through the use of the horse's movement, right, and then went on to win the silver medal in the Olympics. That's kind of where this concept came from. So the basis of hippotherapy is using the horse's movement for means of rehabilitation. The horse's pelvis and hips move in the exact same way that ours do when we walk on the ground. Every step the horse takes, the body has to respond. So we can challenge the core about 3,000 times more than I can in the clinic. It also can help retrain the participant's brain to understand what walking feels like. Because when you put someone on the back of a horse, not in a saddle per se, okay, their body is relaxed and unrestricted. When the horse moves there, you almost feel like as if you're walking on air. The foot swing phases through, the opposite foot comes back, the horse changes its step. And the next and the next foot goes forward. The brain starts patterning that as, oh, this is what you're asking of me or, oh, I used to do this. Let's do it again. Right. That's so cool. So that's really the that's really the science behind it.
0: That's why nobody rides in saddles most of the time. You can't feel the horse's movement the way they need to to rehabilitate themselves. Right. So we use a
1: lot of just pads with a handled surcingle for the person to hold if they need to. But it's making that contact against the horse's back and body. The changes that I'm able to do on horseback far exceed those that I was able to do in the clinic. And you're putting together two dynamic beings
0: with two nervous systems. Yeah. And you're connecting the brain to the body 100 percent, which you can't do in a clinical setting no one way. of the
2: things that i just kind of am working around in my brain that you just said is talking about how when the legs swing back and forth bilaterally You're working on an equilibrium there, right? When my little lyrical gangsta, (laughs) little Jack, when he got his evaluation for occupational therapy, one of the things that she showed me was she put him on, you know, those little squares with wheels on the bottom Mm -hmm. and had him like kind of walk himself with his hands around the room. And um, she said, Do you notice anything there? And I looked at him and I'm like, no, like he's just going around. And she said, do you see how he only uses one side of his body? I had known him for years at this point and never noticed that that was a symptom of something that was not going like a synapse that wasn't happening in the brain. Now, when he does that exact same thing after, you know, a couple of years of uh, occupational therapy, he uses both arms. And there were other things where like he was not doing that bilateral movement ad that I didn't pick up on until she pointed that out in the evaluation. Like I never noticed there was anything different about the way he was moving his body body. I just saw a kid who was having tantrums all the time and was like, help, <laughs> yeah. like, what can we do yeah. to fix this? So is that also something if you were to take a kid like he was where one part of his body wasn't moving and put him on a horse like that, where the horse's bilateral movements would fire things in his brain, like 100%. that's something that would have helped him. 100%. Too.
1: He has to use both sides of his body when he's sitting on that horse. It has to engage it because otherwise what's he going to do is going to fall to the side. Absolutely. I mean, I pick up on st- the horse actually actually tells me, right, a lot of what's happening. Horses are ingrained in instinct to move away from pressure. And that can be physical pressure. It can be verbal pressure. It can be emotional pressure and energy that's brought to the table. Why? Because they're prey animals. In order to survive in the wild, they better be in tune to every pressure that surrounds them in their in their habitat. If I have a client who maybe has loss of function on the left side and is bearing all their weight on the right side, I'm going to start seeing the horse veer. Right? They're going mm. to veer from a straight path because the pressure on the right side, they're going to try to get away from. So they're going to either blow the shoulder, throw the hip out. So there's so many little. I don't think y'all want to hear the intricacies of much as I'm going into, but no, it's not really interesting. Interesting. it's really
0: interesting. When I come there and I don't have great energy. Horses won't let me touch them. That's <laughs> happened multiple times. Now I have learned to lower my energy, come there with a the peace of mind, and I can walk through the stalls and walk the property, and they will all come up to me.
1: Yeah, but that yeah. took a
0: long time. They, they really <laughs> and some awareness.
1: Horses live in the present moment. They have to to survive in the wild, right? So if something happens, it happens, and then it's over. And we're back into the present moment. You know, a lot of our horses come from different backgrounds and different stories and different professions. And, you know, some have had some good stuff that's happened to them and some haven't. They are very in tune moment to moment what their
0: environment brings to the table. And that includes us. That includes us. So you just talked a little bit about the horses and where they came from and things like that. Can you tell us a little bit about some of the horses? We have 11 um, on our property
1: of all different shapes and sizes. Um, smallest is about 32 inches. No, probably even smaller than that he's probably 28. And then they go up to Rambo, who's 15, three hands. All of them are schoolmasters. They have come from careers where they are extremely um, proficient in what they've done. So some of them come from a Western writing background. Some come from an English writing background, various different training levels. And so most of them come as their second career. They've either kind of aged out of what they were doing or the person that had them doesn't really think they're useful anymore to them. Um, And for, they come to us and so um, their second careers it's funny their second careers are really um, I think their most impactful careers some come with history of trauma Um, some come with abandonment issues that they've experienced in the past some come from food deprivation it just is a variety variety of, of different things that help us relate them to the to the children and participants
0: in our world with kids that are in care or adopted out of care can relate to abandonment or neglect or food deprivation or all those other things that the horses may have experienced. Well, and, and
1: the really crazy piece, and until I started working with you, Nicole, and in your children, did I really start bringing all this together? It's wild. I don't know why. i <laughs> to the party, I guess. But horses are very transient pets. They are expensive. People get them as a pipe dream. They are bought for a purpose and a job that maybe no one asked them. If they wanted to do that job, if they were going to be good at that job, they might get an unexpected injury and they're discarded. I don't even know if I've ever met a horse that was born to the same person that it died with. They are very, very transient and they're put in hands of new people every time they're moved to someplace else, Mm -hmm. right? Some of those people can be good and some of those people can be very damaged or, or hurtful. Horses have very similar layers of their onion, just as our children do,
2: our adults do, we do based off their transient journeys. When you're riding a horse, similar to like another person, where if you're laying with another person, your heartbeats can match up, that your heartbeat can match up with the horse when you're riding it. Exactly right. so So
1: in talking about when we, when I had mentioned about comparing two nervous systems and putting two nervous systems together, you're right. Every neural pathway in our body start syncing with their neural pathways. Deep breathing. It's its very common that when, it, when we get a participant on for the very first time, they're holding their breath, right? They don't even know they are. And so as soon as I ask them to take a huge deep breath in and expel it, you'll hear the horse do the same thing out of his nostrils. It is quite incredible. You're exactly right. How those two nervous systems start feeding off of each other. How quickly does that happen? Immediately, I can tell you just even going and walking into a pasture and going to get the horse for a session. They are eyeing you before you even get to the gate. They're watching how you're holding the halter. They're watching your arm swing. They're watching your body position. Are your shoulders up? Is your head down? They know everything about you before you get even close to them. They don't lie.
2: Like toddlers. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they don't lie. I mean,
1: I have one. I have Cappy. I mean, he makes sure as that child is getting their helmet on, he's looking to see who's who's riding him that day. He's sizing up. Do I know this kid? Have I seen this kid before? Is this one of my kids that either screams or is this one of the kids that's just kind of <laughs> chill? Like he he's already sizing up who's getting on him.
2: I want to go back to your your breathwork comment. I want to share with you some very valuable advice that I got last night from from an expert in the field. I um went to the drive-in with my son and we were watching The Lost City. Channing Tatum in the movie used this trick to get Sandra Bullock to take a deep breath. He would say, do you smell that? And she would stop and take a deep breath to smell. And when I saw it, I'm like, how have I never heard this before? I'm going to use it brilliant. with my kids all yeah. the time because it makes it you stop brilliant. and take a deep breath. That do you smell that? Brilliant. that and hey, brilliant. out on a horse ranch, you can definitely oh, use that. that. Hey, do you stealing smell that? It. I am stealing it. At your Ranch, what are the programs that you offer?
1: We kind of have it defined now, so I will share it.
2: Um,
1: However, what my definition is and what I define things as is maybe not what God has planned for me in the next few months, so we might change again. So we offer... Physical therapy incorporating hippotherapy. That's number one. Number two, we also um, offer therapeutic or adaptive riding. So what is therapeutic adaptive riding? That is teaching someone with a disability horsemanship skills or how to ride safely. I believe that to provide that service, even though the person has a disability, they have to have the cognizance for the safety piece of it. If not, then I tend to defer them more towards the hippotherapy because it gets a little more medically involved at that point. Thirdly, we offer what is called our PEACE program. That stands for Powerful Equine Assisted Counseling Experience. What I have tweaked that program to be, especially since working with children in foster care, it is a comprehensive program. It is a, I'm going to call it a mind-body-spirit program. That is where our social workers come into play. That is where our child development specialists comes into play from an educational standpoint and then our equine specialists as well as myself if needed. We know that the body does not work independently of itself. I mean I was seeing this way back in outpatient people (coughs) coming in with pain but a lot of the pain was coming from what was emotionally going on within their heads. What we've created is a program that taps into everything. It taps into the emotional, the behavioral, the physical, the educational um, because it all goes together. It all goes together. And what is that program called? The PEACE program. The PEACE program. It services our military veterans. It services any of our children that come to us with emotional behavioral issues. It services every kid in foster care. Yes, (laughs) yes. and even outside. It also services our foster care program, and it also services our children with cancer program and their siblings. A lot of times, and even in children with special needs, the siblings are kind of lost over here right? They're going to therapies with their brother and sister. They're tagging along all the time. They're being told to sit the doctor's appointment while things are going on. People forget about them. We also, that's that's an emotional thing as well. Um, We kind of witnessed this firsthand in 2020. Young girl, she was six at the time came to the farm with DIPG, which is a very, very aggressive form of terminal brain cancer. Some kids have lasted 30 days, some kids last a year. Um, and so this was really the first time that I had been presented with a participant that I couldn't fix or heal. As a PT, that's that's against our, our mission, right? She started with us in October of 2020 her and her sister, actually, her older sister, we lost her at uh, July of 2021. And I walked that journey with the family. I walked that journey from when she couldn't come to the farm anymore. And we took horses to her house. Oh, wow! I then um, walked the journey after we couldn't even leave the bed or the couch. And I came every week Sometimes twice a week, just for uh, palliative care. And I was there at the bedside the day before she passed. I saw the dynamics firsthand um, of, of everyone impacted. And it's a very, very close family. So we're talking cousins and aunts and uncles. And this child changed my world and the world of the farm. And so, in her honor, we are building um, an equine assisted learning center. For our children, all these children with trauma, our cancer children, children with cancer, our um, children in foster care, in conjunction with the activities we do on the horse for our children with trauma or our adults with trauma. There also needs to be a private area, a private space that is non-threatening, is safe, that there can be private conversation. Also, alongside with the parents, too. We also have to have a lot of private conversations with the parents, too. Right now, working out of the barn, <laughs> we're using a tack room as a counseling <laughs> little room. We're using... Uh, so so HIPAA is really hard to work in a barn. Yeah. And when you're starting to get in, getting into these really emotionally sensitive topics okay. and issues, we needed kind of a, a breathing space where people can feel that, that safety and that calmness. And, and see, it kind of is going to remind me a lot of your comfy room that we're sitting in right now, it's not going to be clinical, right? Yeah. It's going to be very cozy and comfy and horses in your face. And <laughs> and it is specifically designed, fully handicap accessible, fully accessible to the paddocks, no matter what phase of the the uh, disease process they're in. It is a private counseling room, a group counseling room. It overlooks a horse paddock. You go to the back deck and it's the horses right there in your face. Um, and so it is it is to be completed hopefully in the next two months and we'll have a huge grand opening for this. But this child inspired that. And so she is also going to help, obviously, so many other
2: children through this process just because of the legacy that she left behind in seven years. Do you currently service a lot of foster kids or is it mostly children with uh, medical conditions? I will tell you probably up until about
1: six months ago. um, Primarily, we were children with disabilities Uh, within the last six months. And I don't know how... The word's getting out there because we really haven't pushed it yet, Um, but we're getting calls from foster parents every day.
2: If there's a foster parent who wants to get this for their child, do you guys take any of the insurances that kids in foster care have? Unfortunately, we do not. As a nonprofit, it
1: is almost impossible for us to do that. Dealing with insurance, which I have done in my past work experience, you almost have to hire one person to deal with that. Right. All T's need to be crossed. All I's need to be dotted when you're submitting for these things. It costs us t- about and this was in 2021. So since all the inflation has happened with feed and hay and all this, <sighs> um, it costs us two hundred fifty dollars a lesson to put on one session. We can't charge people that insurance insurance doesn't even get us a fraction of that to be able to keep the doors open. So what do we do? Okay, so we have some people who do self-pay, not $250, but a discounted rate. Yeah, We also are providers for the Step Up for Students Florida Empowerment Scholarship, formerly known as GARDNER. If the child is a recipient
2: of that Florida empowerment because expression. all foster kids are eligible for Absolutely. step up 100 I use the step up for my kids um school yes but if I wasn't using it for their school I could apply specifically for this well if if you're
1: approved mm-hmm. right it doesn't matter what you apply it to so let's mm-hmm. say you apply some of it to the school and then you go okay well we have some money remaining I am a provider all I do is do the same thing the school does I bill Florida empowerment scholarship for the session parent approves it. And then it comes directly to me. So there's no money exchange. That's incredible. It is incredible. We also have our own scholarships available. If people need us to help supplement, uh, we will never turn anyone away because they cannot pay. You just, we just won't do that. So we will figure out a way.
0: Lisa has relied on um, working with case managers with purchase of sales to having case management assist with it when the therapies are required or referred by physicians. That's fantastic.
1: And then also our Children with Cancer program, which is Ansley's Army of Angels um, cancer program. All of those children um, are funded at no
0: charge. Lisa, can you tell us about the different types of people that you have on staff there and what services they provide? So right now we have physical therapist, which is myself. We
1: have a OT pending that is in the process of coming on. We also have a social worker as well as possibly a second social worker that we're probably going to need um, who has also been adopted herself so she can very much relate to these children. We have a child development specialist that primarily services um, our children with educational uh, concerns and then we
0: have 11 horses all with PhDs. (laughs) Can you tell us the name of the foster care program as well because it has its own name?
1: The foster care program is actually called our starfish program and that was inspired by. Nicole, but her group of, of foster moms. Um, I'll let her share that story because she's much better at sharing that. I actually surprised her on the website. She went on the website one day and she goes, Oh my God.
0: No, we made it that. A group of us went and got starfish tattoos. And the story, the short version of it, is little boys walking on the beach and there's a bunch of starfish on the ground and he's picking them back up one by one and tossing them back into the ocean. A man comes by and asks him what he's doing and he tells him he's picking him up the man says, you can't save them all. He picks up a starfish. He throws it in the ocean, looks at the man and says, well, I saved that one. Inspired by red. Inspired by red. That's <laughs> right. So it felt very full circle That's uh, really cool. when I looked on the website and saw that that was the name of it. Lisa, can you talk about some of the families that you serve?
1: With our children with disabilities primarily the work is done between myself and that child. Um, I will give, you know, things for the parents to maybe do a little bit at home to kind of help us progress a little more and and more of that kind of traditional physical therapy relationship that you might see. However, I have had kids that have started with me from probably like the age of three and they are now 10 and 11. And I'm like, wait a minute, minute. what's happening? And as they're getting older, so am I. (laughs) They they, um they tend to stay because even though um even though they've been with me for five years, we're still seeing progress. We continue to see progress. And that's so cool. And I think what always kind of um Irks me is when I have families that come and, and the doctors have told them, well, you know, you have this period of, of you know, this period of two to six years old. That's when you're going to get the most out of your kid. I've had girls with cerebral palsy come to me at the age of 20 and we're making progress. So, we are not the ones to determine when progression stops. Right. right, That's right. And I hands. think
2: it's all relative. Right. Like the, the brain formation is happening more at that age, but it's also different with each person. Right. And that doesn't mean that after the age of six, we give up and we stop trying for progress. It might just take a little longer, but maybe it won't. Right. The
1: brain continues to develop to the age of 25. There is constant change and growth emotionally, behaviorally, processing, processing the emotions um, physically. So in regards to um, our foster care families, things look a little different. So typically we prefer to have children in foster care with that are in the home that they are placed with for potential adoption. Okay, that is ideally the scenario that we like to see. Why? Because there isn't layers, more layers of trauma coming in and coming out as much. Um, And also we can then work with, the parents as well to really start creating the big picture. So work is done um, differently with our children and our families in foster care. We might start with the child. We might pull in mom or dad or both, depending on if we need to do that for some attachment work. A lot of my families will be texting me the day before saying, There's a 911. This is what you need to address. (laughs) And so we (laughs) derail. And what we think we're going to work on is not. Um, We will plan hours outside of each session for each child, because it is not a cookie cutter method. It is not a, a module protocol. It is nothing like that. They come to us. We talk about the immediate needs. We start creating activities that focus on those immediate needs. And then as we progress, we're progressing or derailing or, <laughs> swirling or backsliding just as the children in the family are. But we are addressing all those needs right away. So it is very individualized. It is very individualized. I think Nicole can maybe talk more on that than than what I can, as she has multiple children with us that are all being serviced differently.
2: All yeah, right. Nicole, actually, if you could share a little about your experience there and how it has made a change in your family's life.
0: I found Emerald M when a layer of trauma was revealed Regarding one of my kids, I found Emerald M. I called several equine facilities, but Lisa just spoke to me in a way that was so different than the others. And I just felt connected to her. So we went and toured her farm, and we have gone back once or twice a week (laughs) ever since. There has been such a huge change in my kiddo and frankly, in myself, because she just said it's not just about working with the kids. I think I've said it on the podcast before. I see a therapist weekly. And in addition to my own therapist, I also work with Lisa and her team and have several times. I can really work on attachment there with them, even though the kids have their own therapists, kind of more traditional therapists, in addition to equine. I feel like I work on attachment the most at Emerald M. Um, she comes up with the coolest activities. I got to paint on a horse a few weeks ago. My daughter had to instruct me on how to groom a horse, which was super cool and also really hard for me (laughs) because I like to be in control of things. (laughs) And so to have my little one kind of teaching me, I was very anxious at first, but by the end of it, I was, it was great. It has changed my entire world, not just because they go and they work with these horses, but Lisa and her team, I can text any of them. They always respond they're incredibly responsive and they're not just servicing my kids. Frankly, they're like working with me. I've personally had equine sessions with Lisa and her team and they have been life-changing for me.
2: You originally started going there because of level of trauma, you said, that was revealed from some of the kids um, in your home. And how has
0: that changed since being there? I mean, that particular level of trauma was discussed very frequently in the home and we haven't talked about it in over a year. It's completely wow. wiped away. And we all know that it's still there. My child has coping skills to deal with it now and has been able to work through it and put it to rest so she can function and move on to other things.
2: Right, because things that happen in our history, like they're always going to be part of our history. Right. But I think the important thing is to to move from it being something that constantly triggers you and activates you. Exactly. And affects your behavior and everything you do into something that's a memory it sucks that it happened and you can think about it and be like that's kind of sad but not that like your whole life is driven by the behavior that's driven by the anxiety and feelings you have every time you think about that right and that is exactly what has happened here I can truly honestly say about all the (laughs) children,
1: the people that come there. I truly, truly do. I think um, if I could just add with Nicole and Jack, you ladies are very seasoned and knowledgeable and experienced foster mothers. Part two of what we see is some of the ones that maybe are coming into this new without the education or the experiences behind them to understand, oh my gosh, when I first got them. They weren't like this. Now, all of a sudden, (laughs) what's happened? They're demonic. And so they don't have this background of what fetal alcohol syndrome might look like at the age of five instead of two. What drug babies may start to encounter along the way. So, what developmental delays look like,
0: what the spectrum might look like
1: at all ages. Right. And is it spectrum or is it trauma? Just kind of having people that go, okay. Da, 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 da. This is this is that okay, and this is what you might see. And here's how you're going to handle it. And here's how we're going to help you, you know, cope with it. The farm is a safe place. It's a safe place for not only the participants but for the parents. I'm I'm very big proponent on you really shouldn't preach it unless maybe you've kind of felt it or gone down that road. We all have our traumas there. We're all just broken people. All of us are <laughs> right. Trying to help the next person um, using purpose in our pain that we experienced. So we're very open to the stuff that we've gone through because that to me makes a connection that goes, okay, you get it. You're not just preaching from your pocket right, and telling definitely me, definitely what I should do and 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 I may go on a limb saying this, but you know our staff is combined with young people who have had you know suicide ideation to professionals of us who have had horrible things happen in our lives, and who we've lost people to suicide, we've had broken marriages, we've been adopted, and so we all come from places of our own trauma that we've worked through. We kind of open that door for a non judgmental, um, safe place for for parents too.
0: I completely agree. One of the first questions I asked Lisa on the phone was, so do I need to be there for these sessions or can I like go run? And she was like, no, that's great. You can go, you can run. I think I did that maybe four times. Why (laughs) would you want to do anything but hang out with horses? Like, I literally had no idea. And I went there and I was like, this is one hour for me. I can go run. I did that a couple of times and it was very short-lived. Now there's Adirondack chairs and rocking chairs that are on the Okay, I'm coming with you next week. Stop. (laughs) (laughs) That you can sit at. It's just so peaceful. I've had
1: dads fall asleep in the child's wheelchair while they're up on the horse. It's as much of a therapeutic. Your blood pressure should drop. As a parent, your blood pressure as a child should drop for that hour. If
2: that's all we can do for you at that time. Then 1, I mean, <laughs> did I put this on a podcast? Maybe If not. Here we go. Um, I had to have a root canal uh, a couple months ago. You know, I was like, ah, so expensive. I've got to sit in the chair, keep my mouth open, blah, blah, blah. And then I sat down and realized, wait, this is the first time I'm sitting Gotta get a root and, of and nobody's like bugging me for a whole hour i was so excited and that's when it hit me like this is my relaxation time this week so i sat there with my mouth open while they drilled down my mouth and realized that that was my like me time we won't drill your mouth so yeah. you can come and not have your mouth so drilled and still have- i wanted to ask if you had any like funny stories of things that have happened out on the ranch so we have a young lady uh with cerebral palsy tiny little thing. And,
1: you know, in the very beginning of her process, her legs would get so, so heavy into extensor tone that they would fasciculate. We'd have to get off, take a break, put her back on. Well, one day she was sitting up on that horse and I said, just see what happens if you just try to squeeze your legs and see if you can ask the horse to go. Just tap him with your heels. Now she's like around 18 at this time. And she did it. And Rambo looks back at her
2: <laughs> and brings his head to
1: her foot like, Oh my gosh, you just did it! <laughs> so then you know, the tears come <laughs> But literally he turned around <laughs> <It's> like <laughs>
2: It talks about it to the oh, extent. That's like, awesome. I love <laughs> how horses like respond and like the connection that you have with them, not even riding them, just being no. with them. And most of our work, and that's a good point too, Jack, most of our work that is
1: done from an emotional behavioral perspective is done on the ground with a horse, right? It's a lot easier for a child to look a horse in the face than it is to look me, to look you, to look you in the face, yeah. right? They're non-judgmental. They're not going to give us weird... I people. mean, are they not judgmental Because I... I I've got some judgy
2: ones. <laughs> <laughs> and they have very good
1: reason. <laughs> you know what I tell people? I say, horses don't forget what has happened to them, but they can learn to forgive. And isn't that a message that, might be kind of amazing for us to be able to bring into the lives of the children with trauma we use that as a really big platform a lot of the work we do with some of the teens who have been through group home to this home to that home is what does it look like if you never receive the validation from your biological parents that they harmed you or they gave you away or you know what does that look like we have to we have to heal that we may not forget but there is a point where we can move to forgiveness and what does forgiveness really look like? What does it really mean? And the horses have obviously taught me a lot too, as you can tell. Um, <laughs> I didn't learn that stuff in PT school. They really have, have opened my eyes um, and they call me out every day, which is great. Sometimes it's great, sometimes not. <laughs> um, and I've learned what it looks like to live in the present. Control. That's what I've learned. Control, control, control my life. You know, until some trauma happened in my life that I had no control over. And then all of a sudden it, it became very different, but grown from that. It's this multifaceted, incredible dynamic. There are times when we'll have kids or participants, older participants, write letters to kind of heal a piece of them that it may need healed with a person. And we'll go and bury it in the horse poop. <laughs> you know how many letters I have buried in piles of horse poop on my property? Oh, my god! But it's a really great metaphorical experience. It's life-changing. It's life-changing. And I tell the parents, I'm like, please don't take pictures of this. They're going to see child labor. <laughs> Kids are digging in horse poop. This would not be good. But it is. It, it really, a lot of it is metaphorical work that is done.
2: I've also worked with a nonprofit and over the past couple of years we've definitely seen how difficult it is to come up with funding. You know, we all see we go to the grocery store and like milk is twice as expensive. All of our resources are going up in price, so people have less money because they're spending it on the resources and also a lot of people's jobs have either slowed down, they're giving them less hours. That being said, there's less money available for people to use and to donate. The nonprofit I've worked with, we've definitely seen a a major downswing in funding. Horses are expensive. Like how is this getting paid for? Yeah. Do you have like grants? What are the sources of your yeah. funding?
1: So our operating budget right now is about 200,000 for the year. My physical therapy services are donated to the farm.
2: I take a, which means you work for free.
1: I do, from a physical (laughs) therapy standpoint, as an executive director, I accept $18,000 a year because we have to show something. If if one day I need to be replaced, there has to be accountability for that. But my physical therapy services are donated. Our staff works for a very small, small amount of money. They do it because they love it. They, they are passionate about it. So the bulk of our expenses are exactly what you just said. <laughs> A, feed, yeah. vet bills, maintenance to the facility. This building that we, um, for Ansley's Army of Angels, we started this funding in September. And Ansley had her hand in it. I can tell you that along with, with God up there. But we raised $115,000 in four months to build this. Don't ask me how that happened. We did have a golf tournament in lieu of flowers for the funeral. They donated money to the center. That's what started the ball rolling. And then the community just just came together. Once a year, we host our one major fundraising event that's coming up on May 7th. That is our Derby Day in Tampa Bay. That primarily goes to our operating budget. However, the additional fundings, I go speak at a lot of smaller type groups that that help donate. A lot of community donations grants. Yes, here and there, but even that is hard to, to obtain. So it is, it's a constant battle that never ends. And we just, we pray a lot. <laughs> God seems to bring it. There have been many days that I thought it was going to be over. Then a check shows up and you're like, okay, I'll stick it out. It's been a real interesting thing to navigate over the past seven years, but we're, we're still getting it. We're, we're still working through it. <laughs> so you do a der- derby day in yes, Tampa. right. That's coming up. It'll be at Raymond James Stadium this year. Oh, wow. Um, we're I really know. stepping it up. We're praying hard for that one too. <laughs> um, and so that will be, yes, on May 7th, the actual day of the Kentucky Derby. So the whole event is based around that race. Oh, wow. Um, um, it's super fun. Everyone comes in their hats and their fancy suits. And then, of course, you know, we do a presentation letting the world know about our mission.
0: I think one of the cool things is there's like a is it a dapper yep, man. derby man contest derby and a ladies man. hat contest Yeah. 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 yeah it's a there's fun. It's a fun day. A live auction.
1: yes Silent auction. Silent auction. um So it, like what are the hours?
2: Like tell me what this looks like.
1: So the derby event starts at four. Yeah. Um, and it goes till about eight or nine. It's a big party. Is it some, like a dinner? Like yep, are people sitting buffet, down. Yep, there's a buffet dinner. Um, there's a live band, 50 We we
2: um air the live race. That's at what the I was time. wondering. Yeah, so yeah. you've got like the like um, monitors with yeah. the with the with the derby going yes, on. Yes, yes, yes. So that, it's, that it's sounds like quite a derby party. It's a fun day. I'm excited. It, it's a fun day. It's, <laughs> it's a, never it's been a fun to day. A contests, party. live auctions. Yeah.
1: yeah, and everything to go directly to the programs. That's your main thing. You do group. Rants. We've done saying. some smaller fundraisers, different fundraisers throughout the years. You know, we did a Pinot and Paints event um, at the barn.
2: So we had a, a gentleman, a local artist Oh, that brings it to yeah. a whole nother level. <laughs> <laughs> You're yeah. like painting and there's like horses like cool. snoring in the background. <laughs> it was cool. It was cool. So we
1: were all, yeah. And he came in and did a great job. Um, we'll probably do something like that again. I mean, we're open to, you know, some people will come in and just say, hey, you know, can, can we give you this. And I'm like, yes, you can. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, so it is. It's a variety of different ways. Um, I would say though, it's taken a good amount of time for us to finally get our name out there where people recognize.
2: Oh yeah. I've heard of them. So we're, we're getting, speaking an, of your name, getting your name out there. Where did Emerald M come from?
1: Yeah. So the M is just for my last name. So that's not super Exciting. The Emerald Gemstone, the meaning of the Emerald Gemstone is hope, renewal and growth. So our mission is just that hope, renewal and growth. We bring uh, hope into the lives of the people that we serve, which then facilitates a renewed sense of self and then pushes them to growth. So that's that's where that came from. What is your hope for Emerald M's future? I love that question because I've received that question over the years, and I used to have this whole beautifully crafted (laughs) answer. This is where I'm headed. This was Lisa's control. And funny, because that really wasn't how things ever worked out. My plan is unknown. I'll be honest with you. I don't direct that plan. There is someone higher than me. That directs that plan. And I just try to carry it out. So if you would have asked me six months ago, if I was developing an entire foster program, I would not have told you that it's all kind of based on those individuals that come through our gates. That's how we determine where we're headed.
0: So you've learned a lot about kids in care and foster care. What would be one word that you would use to describe foster care?
1: You know, I've thought about this before. And I I am a person that tries to go on a strength-based avenue, any (laughs) positive avenue. But I'm not sure I can do that with this question. So I guess the word I'm going to use is broken. It's devastatingly broken.
2: I mean, I think that applies to a lot of aspects of it. Like yeah. the kids are broken, everybody involved is broken, the <laughs> system's broken. Yeah. Like I meet wonderful seals.
1: women like you though, and it 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 changes it, and I don't want it to come across that way. If I'm looking at it from the system and, and what's happening there with these children and and what people forget is every time a child is placed somewhere else,
2: that's another layer to their onion of trauma. It's another yeah. level of trauma. It's more brain damage because trauma causes brain damage. Absolutely. So you move a kid from one home to another. I always thought, oh, my gosh, if a, if a baby
1: is, is adopted at the, you know, two weeks. They're going to they're they're be great. They're no, they're, gonna they're have, not. They're not, <laughs> they're not great. And there's trauma
2: there. There's loss there's there. There's still
1: abandonment yes. issues. Mm-hmm. There's still attachment issues. There's still yep. that as they grow and they process it differently. That psychological piece of, oh my gosh, I was given away. That whole world was opened up to me.
0: I don't think people realize as the children grow and hit different levels of maturity, they're reprocessing yeah. those they go through cycles of trauma. 100%. Yes. 100%. Well, and I think the
1: other person piece of that, which working with the children in foster care has taught me, which I've actually applied to my two daughters. Now they're 21 and 18. However, (laughs) parenting styles cannot be the same across every child. Right, That is something that, wow, Lisa, you're 47. Now you actually realized with your own daughters. Like I tried to parent them the same way and they're two totally different children but it right? takes
2: time to figure that out you know? for those of us who go through 20 kids a year yeah. like, <laughs> it comes a little quicker Yeah, you know? yes. when the traumas are extreme like it's more obvious that this there are some of my kids that if I treated them the way I treated the other kids they would be absolutely off absolutely. the wall that's difficult for the kids to understand though, because absolutely. they want everything to be
0: equal it's, it's so weird. difficult for the kids to understand and I'll say that from my own perspective being raised in a traditional home with mom and dad around we We were raised the same, but different because we were two different human beings who had two different needs. I remember saying, that's not fair. Why is it this way for him? Yeah, I get the like, you would yell at me so bad for that. And it's like, I
2: can't yell at him because he shuts down. He goes inside of himself and it'll take forever to get him out. We need to let him cool down and then I will have a conversation. There will be a punishment. Yes, it will be
0: different. But as a kid, you do not understand that. Right. Yeah. yeah, I did not understand that until right. I was, I was like an adult. Yeah. What I, what I try to tell I my kids all that. the time is that equal
2: isn't fair equal isn't always fair. Correct. Yeah. So we've talked quite a bit about trauma, secondary trauma and how like those of us who are working with kids with trauma are affected. And especially if we have our own traumas, that can be very triggering in your work where you're dealing with all of these different kids all the time. How do you manage that trauma that comes into your world? Like what is your self-care? You know
1: what? (laughs) It's interesting because we've developed this really cool um, staff who we all kind of, and I'm going to use the word therapist. I just think that a funny word, but I think we, I've used it before. Used it. It's good. It's I a real it. word. It's a real word. Um, we all kind of therapize each other, right? When someone is melting down or someone is struggling, we're there to step in and, and, and help them, right? Our, our staff, we take care of ourselves first. Um, because I know that unless you are healthy, and you are stable and you are s- not nah, stable. I don't know.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: we can't really go out and service anyone else. So right. I'm a big proponent of of that. So it was funny because two days ago, three days ago, we did. We did actually a horse handling class with just our staff and our horses. And I had posted on I Facebook. I saw that on social media. And I looked at the girls and I said, Why aren't we doing this all the time? Like we never get to sit here with them and experience them and love on them. And we're always racing to the next. We need this. We need this. We need to be with these guys and let them help us too. And that was kind of like a aha moment after seven years. And so we take care of each other. Me from a personal space. My
2: family is that for me. What is one positive change that you would like to see in foster care? One Yes,
1: just the one most important one. There's a lot. But um, if I have to narrow it down to one, I would say stability. Stability for these kids. More stability. Yes. You know, not being bounced around from place to place to place to
0: place. What do you think communities could do to prevent more kids from needing to come into care? Education, education,
1: education, education. I have gotten a lot of education in the last six months and not from necessarily reading it in books. I find education as most valuable from personal experience. So these children and their parents, you included, Nicole, have taught me a tremendous amount. I had to go and traipse around the counties at animal rescues with my daughter because this was a thing she wanted to do okay and Lisa giving up her control was like okay and I really took note of the animals in that care and the stability they had there and how people were just so attentive and they were just dropping off loads of things to them. And mm-hmm. and they were so particular about where they were going to go next. And the folder that went with them with all, you know, as much. And, <laughs> and, I, to, yeah. lied, and I said to Sorry. myself, animal. I said to
2: myself and not, you
1: know me, I'm an animal
2: L- lover. You know, those um, commercials that were trying to make you cry with the, yes. with the kitty yes. or whatever. Yeah. Yes, Like, they made my husband so mad, especially after we like spent yes. a couple months in Uganda and saw these kids, like, starving on the side of the road. Yes. And the point is, like, everybody gets so sappy over these freaking kittens in the road. It's like, but they'll walk past someone struggling with their child and not do a thing. And our children are our most valuable resources. And, They're, and I tell people, I'm like, these kids Y'all see here,
1: they're going to be the ones taking care of us in the nursing home. Mm-hmm. If my kid puts me there. <laughs> <laughs> there, there and I will come back and haunt them. <laughs>
0: they,
1: they are the ones that are going to be coworkers with our children mm-hmm. or employees under our children or or actually, you know,
2: bosses, bosses of our, bosses our children. Of our <laughs> children. Yeah.
1: We're investing in what is coming down the pike. And so I you know, that is how
2: that is how I see it. So what are your goals as emerald m what are your goals for making positive change in our community just try and keep helping one at a time starfish, starfish. yeah <laughs> if i look
1: at it beyond that jack um my anxiety wouldn't handle that yeah so i have to live in the present and i have to say okay, here's the next one pulling up in the parking lot. That's who I'm taking care of today.
2: Yeah. It's a good way to look at it. It's the only way you can look at it. And I think Judge Tepper was talking about that a lot
0: too. Yes. I think Don't be impressed. That took me a long time to (laughs) figure out. (laughs) I'm still struggling with it. Listen. I am so, so grateful that you came and sat down with us today. Yeah. Thank you for joining us. Uh, Yeah. I so enjoyed every minute of it. Thank you so much for joining us today. Make sure you subscribe and follow us on social. We hope that you join us again next time and keep on fostering the future.